On today's show, we're searching to find the extra in the ordinary with Jean-Pierre Noscantalone, a retired U.S. Army veteran who has overcome the traumatic effects of PTSD to become an aspirational public speaker and conversation facilitator. Join us for this inspiring story of victory and growth on this episode of The Light Inside. Thank you for taking a moment to tune into this week's episode of The Light Inside. Join us on the adventures, the tales, and the search for truths as we explore the people, the stories that guide us to The Light Inside. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Light Inside and visit us at thelightinside.us. Hello, Sean Pirino. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good morning. Fantastic. Good morning. <laughs> so how were things with you, my friend? Got good. Got good. I'm taking things one day at a time and using this time as a time to reinvent myself and pursue some of the things that I, for a long time I've been saying I want to pursue. Public speaking being one of them, speaking to people, having this type of conversations. I, I've been saying that since I was in my 20s, early 20s. Yeah. So this is the time. That's fantastic. Take that opportunity. You know, that's how we have to look at things, I guess, to move forward is, you know, it's an opportunity if we make it an opportunity. Right. You, we adapt and we overcome. There is this quote, uh, I forgot who said it, but it goes something like this. In times of changes, the learners will inherit the earth while the learned will be beautifully equipped to live in a world that does no longer exist. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, it's how we're going to equip ourselves to come out of this, come out uh, on the better side of it. Yeah. And the world is changing. A lot of things are changing and we're going to have to reinvent ourselves and uh, pursue. I don't know. I have this quote saying, I think I shared it with you once. Uh, you are the light at the end of the tunnel that, yeah, you are, you're it. And yeah. it is that optimal you that we all wish we could be, you know, someday or if I could only, I would be this kind of person. Okay, that is the person who is waiting for you at the end of the tunnel. Just keep, keep walking. Keep walking. Yeah, every day is a new opportunity, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, I, I, I love keeping my eyes and ears open for those little inspirational moments. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's those little things that build those next steps for us. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Uh, I love books. I love quotes. And I love uh, movies that are inspirational. That was uh, a movie based on a partially on a true story. It was Peaceful Warrior. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have not. I'll have to check that one out. And the, the book is The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And in it, they make a point of there are no ordinary moments. If you pay attention, there are no ordinary moments. Yeah. There's always something happening. Only the extraordinary. Yeah. We'll get into that later. I jotted some notes about our conversation, and that, that's going to come full circle. You'll see that here in a few when we get down that road. But Wonderful. Yeah. Finding the, the extra in the ordinary. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. So I'm grateful to have you here and, and be able to hear your inspirational story because, you know, it's, it is such a story of change and evolution already. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, there's, there's such an inspiration in that. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and share that with us. Right. There is a lot of parts of my story. If there is a book that I could relate, it's, uh, I don't always know how to pronounce it correctly, but it's Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. I think you got that pretty close. All right. <laughs> all right. Don't hold me to that because I, I blunder it all the time too, but I think that's pretty close. <laughs> Yeah, and the main character, I, I think they did a great job when Hollywood made a movie recently about Les Miserables, and it was a musical. Yeah. But the book is even better. But Jean Valjean, that's the main actor, the main uh, character of the story. <laughs> and in the movie, and even even further in the book, you see he's, he reinvents himself over and over and over. 
And he's always, in a way, seeking for redemption, trying to right his past and make it better and better. And life happens to him. And there is always this new circumstances. And then he has to even change his names. Uh, he started as a young boy who, out of trying to help his sister and nephew get something to eat, he steals some bread, ends up in jail for several years. They took away his name. He was two for 601. Then after that, he reinvented himself to the point where he becomes the mayor of this town. He's always striving to become, become and something better and something better. I, I think that's what my life is yeah. like. I, I was born in Peru when I was 14. My family immigrated to the U.S. And, uh, and I had to learn a new language, a new culture, a new way of being. Uh, I wanted to belong so bad. I wanted to be American so bad. And yet I was never able to get rid of my accent. So I always felt, felt like I never belong. <laughs> That's uniquely you, my friend. Right. It is. And now I'm owning it. I am finally owning it and embracing it. Good. That is That's me. Finding your voice, right? 100%. And over the years, I, I, I've been finding my voice more and more. And now I feel the need to share my story that it may uh, inspire somebody. Recently, I learned the, the word inspired comes from the Latin inspirare to me. It means uh, to breathe life into. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've not looked at that angle or heard that angle. Yeah, I, I love that concept. Breathing, breathing life into things. Yes, and, and, and I love that. But anyway, so I came to the States. I grew up. I had a very difficult time learning. When I was 21, I, I used to be very active in a Christian church, and I served a two-year mission, so I was a missionary. Then got married, and then 2007, seven eight came around, and the economy went down went downhill. Yeah. <laughs> Everything comes right, full circle, right. doesn't it? It's, a, it's all cyclic. Right. <laughs> we're, we're finding ourselves exactly. here once again. And that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Everything that happened, even though I didn't understand it at the time, looking back, I'm like, I became a better man, a better person through the trials and tribulations. And I found myself in a situation where I was married, I had kids, and I couldn't provide for them. And the only one door that I saw was the military. So I joined the U.S. military. Yes. And uh, within a few months, I found myself in Afghanistan fighting uh, as a soldier. Now, I personally never consider myself much of an athlete, and I'm surrounded by all these young kids, and I'm just hoping that I could keep up with them. Yeah. <laughs> my son served. My son was Army, too, and I never had the fortitude myself to go to service for my country. <laughs> we got some videos. We're fortunate now versus, you know, how things used to be where when he was in basic, there were some videos that were floating around on Facebook and we were able to track him down and find him. So we actually got to see his experience a little bit. I wholeheartedly have that respect for anybody that can go through that whole regiment of basic and, you know, putting themselves through that trial. So I respect and I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Uh, it, it was definitely, now looking back, I finally see how it was an honor and it was good for me. I'm beginning to discover all the different things that I learned, how they are deeply ingrained in me, even though I served for a short period of time, but it made me into a better man. Even though I went through, I guess you would call it hell, not only through the basic training, but also being 10 months deployed in Afghanistan. And to see what I saw and to do the things that I did, I was thinking, you know, I'm such an older man compared to these young kids. It's not going to affect me. But sooner or later, it does. It catches up to you. And I began to get depressed. I began to get sad. I began to feel overwhelmed. And I'm a sensitive guy by nature. So it added on top of that to where I just knew I need to go see someone. In fact, Friends of mine reached out to me, the people that were the closest to me, and they said, Giampiero, you're not the same. Something has changed. You don't smile like you used to. And I said, okay, now it's, now it's time. I need to go see someone. I need to talk to someone. And I did. And 
I was so fortunate that I was given a very proficient uh, psychologist. And for 10 months, I went to see him every other week. And now in hindsight, what I see is that he didn't give me any tips. He didn't give me an advice. He just allowed me to speak. Yeah. You know, our, our greatest communication tool is not in communicating anything. It's in listening. It's our greatest communication tool. 100%. 100%. And uh, so that's part of my story, uh, that making decisions, living with the consequences, and finding tools, finding people, and uh, reinventing myself. So you battled with that PTSD, that, that trauma of that. Could you share a little bit of that and what that experience was like for you? It's interesting because sometimes life could be going so well. Your kids are healthy. There is enough money coming in. You have a roof over your head. And yet you have this overwhelming sensation that something is wrong or is about to go wrong. And it, it, as they say, the struggle is real. It is because it's invisible. And sometimes your family is not equipped to help you. Oftentimes, your family is not equipped to help you because we often want to give someone a pep talk and say, it's okay, you're okay the way you are. It's not like that. But when you get these intrusive thoughts or feelings that overwhelm you, and sometimes they win, one of the statistics, I'm sure is a little less than before, but the last time I heard the statistic was that 22 veterans commit suicide daily. And it's... It's a lot. And uh, my heart goes out, for example, to the medics, because not only do they have to be in war, in battle, but then they have to try to patch up people. And sometimes what they can do is limited. And to see those people that they're trying to help wither and die, or to see people in the villages that we go to hurt and not being able to help them. One of, my, uh, one of the medics that was in my deployment committed suicide. Uh, because how do you live with that, with the, the stress, the, uh, the trauma, and on top of that, knowing I could have say, saved my buddies, I could have helped these people, and I, I couldn't. And then they feel guilty, and then they, they live with that for the rest of their, their lives. It's devastating. It is. It is. So you get to live with these memories for the rest of your life, and then you have to... I was lucky that I... In this time when I realized that I needed help, I gave myself a lot of time to contemplate and study and read books. Yeah. One of the books that really helped me was uh, by a psychologist. Uh, it's called 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. And uh, one of the things, that, one of the rules is rule eight is tell the truth or at least don't lie. Sometimes people ask you, how are you doing? And it's easy to say, I'm fine which is sometimes a lie because if you're fine, you, you don't need to do anything. It means everything's copacetic, right? How often are we honest with ourselves? <laughs> exactly. In everyday situations. It's a huge challenge for all of us. Sometimes we, we say it's just a little white lie. Still, it's a lie because you're creating that world through speech. You know, you're creating that world as... Things are okay. It's not that bad yet. Well, at least I didn't hit him that hard, or at least I didn't yell at him that hard. Excuses, excuses, or, or we talk, justifications of, okay, maybe I did cross the line. Maybe I did speak a little. Uh, I was a little too rude or uh, insensitive. How often do we take the time to really listen to ourselves and understand ourselves? Exactly. And I love that. I, I love what you just said right now, because in the speaking this is, where, this is where things began to change. In this speaking, I began to listen to myself and I began to realize what I'm saying is not completely true. Or what I'm saying, it was true at the time it happened to me, but I'm not the same person. I've grown, I've evolved, I am a little more experienced. I'm a little more knowledgeable. So where I was justified to behave a certain way at a certain time, I'm not anymore. And then you begin to regulate yourself. You begin to put yourself together. This is what, where truth is so important, is speaking and listening to yourself. 
Yeah. Yeah. You shared some insight with me in some of our, our initial conversations. <laughs> and ironic, we were back on that subject of conversations and listening. <laughs> you shared a little bit with me about feeling that uh, conversation is everything in our relationships. It is. It is. There is a book that uh, I was lucky to to read. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and the name of the book I forgot the name of the author, but it's Fierce Conversations. And in it, the author talks about how if you want to engage your relationships, listen to the conversation because she said the conversation is the the conversation is the relationship. If the conversations are superficial and you're not willing to trust and go deep beyond the superficial. How are you? How's the weather? How was the game? But then after that, you have to put skin in the game and go a little vulnerable and say, I'm going to share something with you. And then that's where you can see, do I trust this person? Do they trust me? Have they earned the right to listen to my story? And that's a gauge right there, the conversation, the quality of the relationship, the quality of the conversation is the relationship. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think you mentioned before that with every conversation, we either build or destroy. What is the power of and weight of not only our words, but our interactions? Well, yeah. It, okay. And this is something that I learned. It's uh, you have to be what you believe and what you act out, how you behave has to be congruent. Otherwise you feel fragmented because you are not in integrity with yourself. Yes. So, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I believe that this is what brings happiness to people, acting out their values. If you say you believe in something and you act it out, you're like, yes, I am being consistent with myself. I'm doing what I said I, I was going to do, what I stand for. I am being in integrity with myself. But if you're not, you make your own personal hell. Because you know you're lying. And sometimes you want to talk to some people who don't want to go there. And they tell you, you're okay the way you are. And deep inside, you know, no, I'm not everything I could be. And you yourself are your judge. Every time you say, I have a goal or I have, this is what I want to do. That becomes your judge. And you know you're coming short. Only you know that you're coming short because you're, you said it. You said, this is the kind of man that I want to be. This is the kind of person that I want to be, the kind of goal that I want to pursue. No one else needs to torment you. You will do it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we are our own worst personal hell, right? <laughs> our worst enemy. What do you feel is the purpose, the main purpose in having genuine conversations? Think on that for a second. Main purpose of having genuine conversation. Hold on to that. I'd also like to revisit shortly your background in psychology, but let's first answer, what do you feel is the purpose of having genuine conversations? Okay. For, my, for most of my life, I used to think that it was to get answers. I need to learn this. I need to find this out. And most recently, as I started to do more research, more thinking, I started to be more introspective. I realized that the purpose of a conversation is not to get answers, but to learn how to ask better questions. It is the questions that set the quality of your life. Why does this always happen to me instead of like, why is this happening to me? Why am I so stupid? No. Why, what is it that I didn't understand today that could have helped me get to where I wanted to go? And you begin to change the question and then you begin to reframe everything. And you can actually reframe your past. Uh, there's a doctor, I forgot his name, but he, he was a doctor for a lot of uh, Hollywood people. And he talked about how pain was uh, repressed. It was rage, repressed rage. Yeah, generational trauma. Yes. Yes. And he, he had a quote. He said, it is never too late to have a happy childhood. Because when you go back and you... You give those people who may have hurt you, like your parents, for example, you give them the same kind of um, mercy, the same kind of uh, love that you give yourself, the same wiggle room, leeway. Yeah. <laughs> 
We all know kids like the wiggle, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> True. True. There's a quote that I learned. Uh, it says, we judge other people by their actions and we judge ourselves by, by our intentions. If we were to go back and give the same, judge people for their intentions, like especially our parents, what did they know? They were figuring it out along the way, the same way we are. We don't know everything. In fact, that is the purpose of faith. You move forward because you don't know everything. It's belief, you know, and you, you don't believe because there's a, a deep one to look at, you know, belief in the existence of belief. <laughs> I, I'm trying to paraphrase it here and I can't quite put my finger on it. We'll revisit that or we'll relay it later. I'm going to expand upon that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that whole theory that it's not what you're believing, but just, you know, having the faith in the belief itself. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a much better way to paraphrase that or sum it up, but you know, it, it's in there and it'll come to me. <laughs> yes, yes. Listening to the psychologist that I quoted earlier, he said the reason why we have faith is because we don't know everything and faith fills the gap of what we don't know because we either stay stagnant or we believe that if we do the right things, if we follow the right steps, something better will happen. Yeah, there it is. I just paraphrase. It's the space between. Yes. It's the faith. The space is the faith between. You know, it's not the journey or the path. It's the space between. Mm -hmm. Yes, I like that. Hey, you brought me there, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you had mentioned also in our earlier conversation, you know, not to find an answer to our questions, you know, in our conversations but to learn how to ask a better question, you know, and we kind of touched on that. Yeah. How do you feel we go about asking better questions? Well, for example, instead of asking someone for help, and this is what I've learned, uh, my, my wife is my support system. My wife is my go-to, like she's my team member. Like we're a team together. Instead of asking her, help me, something's wrong with me. Now it's like, this is what I need from you. Could you just listen to me? I'm probably going to say a whole bunch of things that don't make any sense, but I need to get it out. I don't need you to fix me, but could you just be there for me and listen? That's a better question than just giving someone the, the task and the responsibility to make me feel better. I'm feeling bad. Here you go. Help me. So you learn to articulate what you need. You give... Right now, today, I'm feeling sad. I don't know why, but I'm feeling sad. Can, I, can you just sit with me for a while? In my sadness, as I get to the bottom of it, uh, you need to give things names. This, this is the importance of speaking because there's a quote that I love by Carl Jung that says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. You, those unconscious things, you need to give them a name. What I'm feeling today is I'm feeling angry. What I'm feeling today is sadness. What I'm feeling today is a lot of joy and I don't know why. Okay, what you're feeling is joy. Great, now we can work with that. And then you can ask other people for support. They cannot help you. You're not helpless, but they can support you. You're the one who has to come up with a plan and say, will you support me with this? Yes, you're bringing me back full circle here again. You know, we don't have to ask better questions and we don't find better answers by asking better questions. It's by looking or, you know, not by looking for a better reply, but by listening and in hearing and seeing each other and feeling who each of us are, you know, truly feeling who each of us are. <laughs> it's like, imagine yourself as a work of art and there is this, uh, what, what do they call it? An apoc apocryphal story of Michelangelo? Yeah. Where some people attribute that he said, said, he said this thing. He said, a work, of art, a work of art is never finished. It's only abandoned. And so are we. We're not done. The moment you think you are, you're done, then you prepare to suffer. Because even what you think you believe, you can always polish it up a little better. You can learn to articulate it a little better because there's one thing, this is what I believe. Okay, great. Now act it out. 
you have to, I don't care what you believe. It's like, you know, love is a verb. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. Yeah, the action in it. Mm-hmm. The action in it. And then, therefore, our conversation has to not be reactionary, but an, an action and a doing. And I think, you know, like you said, that most important doing is in the listening. There is a book by a gentleman named Michael S. Sorensen. And it's simply called, I hear you. Our greatest communication tool is not in communicating anything, but in listening, not in responding to another, but in understanding and knowing of another. And in this book, Michael talks about this surprisingly simple skill behind building extraordinary relationships. Extraordinary extraordinary you know we're back to that now extraordinary there is a great word extra followed by ordinary we really don't have to be anything to excel in building relationships other than giving extra amounts of ordinary you know when we give extra amounts of ordinary you know, it's, it's the everyday thing. You know, we're, we're stopping to listen. We're stopped to consider a person. How do you think? How do you feel? You know, what would I feel like in this position? Those are ordinary everyday things. We don't have to do anything out of the ordinary to be extraordinary. We're already extraordinary. And all you got to do is listen. And, you know, that's our greatest skill in communicating. That's the whole takeaway from the book. Listening. Yeah. And I, now I'm a huge proponent of... Uh empathic listening and conversations. I'll create a space for somebody to speak. And because I believe that whatever's going on inside you, it will weigh you down. Uh, You've heard of that saying, that expression, what's eating you? There are things that are literally eating you from the inside and they need to come out and they have to come out wrong. This is the one thing. Sometimes your family may not be able to understand you. And what you need to learn is to ask them, I just need you to listen to me. What comes out may be totally off and wrong. And all I need is a space for me to speak. In the book, they mention that when we remember that everyone we meet is afraid of something, loves something, or has lost something. And it's opening up to the other person, welcoming empathy and building relatability to each other. We don't do that through anything but listening, connecting, and then considering. We, we all go through different things, and you need to create a network of people who will support you. And there's a, I heard this watching a TV show with my wife, but it, it always stuck with me. Some, in a relationship, sometimes you get to be the flower, and your partner gets to be the gardener. And it, it goes back and forth. Sometimes you just have to say, I want to be the flower now. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot of weeds. Yes, that too. There's a lot of weight. So <laughs> even even some of the ugliest weeds can produce the most beautiful flowers, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 like uh, some of the vaccines. You know, yeah. part of part of the cure is the poison. Yeah, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but but it's true. It is true. It's like if you think you're only good, then you're not good to anybody. Mm-hmm. Making the choice about making a, a decision, being able to make that decision, for example, if you want to protect your family, you know, if you're just, you cannot fight for your family, for example, then you're useless. But if you know how to fight for your family physically, but control it, that's when you are able to make the choice. Otherwise, you're by default, you're just harmless. We're coming back around to that trust, you know, and, and yeah. meet the fuckers. Are you in the circle of trust? There you go. There you <laughs> so go. Let's, let's talk about that. Uh, how do you feel or what do you feel are the main factors that build that authentic connection? Trust. Say what you said you were going to do. And it starts with yourself. Sometimes we don't even believe ourselves because we say, okay, well, tomorrow I'll work out or tomorrow I'm going to go visit a family member. And you don't. 
I think happiness, ha like I said earlier, you have your values and then you act them out. When you act out your values, then you're happy. Not only are you happy, but you develop this trust that you kept your promise that to yourself, that you said you did what you said you were going to do. And then when people around you, your family, your friends, see you doing that in a consistent basis, they're like, that's a, that's a person of integrity. He said he was going to be here at five. He's on time. Great. If next time he tells me he's going to be here at five, I know he's going to be here at five because the evidence is there. I think that's what builds trust. Yeah. Yeah. Emotional validation. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is surprising power in emotional validation. Yes. You know, it moves beyond the idea that not only do I hear you, I understand what you feel. I like that. I understand sympathy, right? I am being with you. Yeah. Yeah. Empathy. Exactly. Empathy is kind of a crazy thing. A lot of us struggle with that. A, and understanding it because you're, you're letting go of the ego. You're letting go of the ego. But there's, there's a deeper element than I hear how you feel. You know, and then it's building that real moment to stop and consider and really, truly feel and connect. Yes, I do understand what this pain is. I do understand what the struggle is because I can see myself there. I can feel myself there. Right. And know what that's like. Or, or I want to know. Let, let me be here. I, I may not understand you. I may not know what this is like, but here I am. There is a, I was watching the movie Frozen 2 for the first time the other day. And one of the main characters is a very strong boy, a man. I forgot his name, Jurgen or... I'm not familiar with it, ironically enough. I haven't had a chance to see that whole series yet. But one of the best parts of the movie is like they're, they're in the middle of a conflict and he just comes, comes out of the woods to help out and he says, here I am, how can I help? Yeah. And I think that's the attitude. You may not understand what other people are going through, but you say, here I am. That's everything. So you are in the real estate business now, correct? Correct. Yes. Correct. So how does that play out in its role in your day-to-day -day activities in the real estate business? Well, I, I believe that real estate is a, it's a business of building relationships. It is. And it's about the value you give to the people that you've built that relationship with, that they know, okay, there is definitely hundreds of realtors out there. There is all these apps out there where I could get this information. But I have a relationship with this man or woman. And I trust that if I need something, they're going to be there for me. And uh, sometimes it takes a long time. Some of the most successful agents in real estate, and I'm new at it, but I've seen some of the most successful people is people who have over time built relationships that... Uh, they pick up the phone and say, hey, I know it's been six months. I thought of you. How are you? And they don't call to say, hey, do you want to buy a house right now? They're just. Yeah, it's true interaction. True interaction. Yes. Not only does it create an environment of productivity and genuine interaction, it opens the entire flow of business. And when your ideal clients understand that you hear the problem you are solving for them, and you understand the difficulties it creates, that creates the connection. Right. And sometimes the right answer is, I don't know the answer to that, but I have a colleague who's really good at that. And sometimes you forgo the commission because, you know, I know someone who can help them better. I'm supposed to be like, yeah, I can do that. No problem. Let me help you with that. And then you're Googling, how, how do I help this person? The only way to know that's to listen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so often we, we think we know the solution. And I've had this conversation a number of times over you know, the last couple of weeks. I've had this conversation a number of times throughout my career. We think we know the answer before we even get to the, the, the situation. And we haven't taken the time to understand and connect and empathize with that individual to actually hear what they are struggling with, what they want to connect with. I, I remember I, 
I heard Tony Robbins said this once. He said one of the biggest complaints about relationship, people who get divorced, is they usually say something like this. I gave them everything. And he says, yes, except what they needed. <laughs> that is that is perfect right there. That is everything. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you didn't take the time to listen what they truly needed. Mm-hmm. Or even just the time to listen. Sometimes that is the whole need. Yeah. Just the time to listen. I think a lot of relationships can be healed if you have the desire to show that empathy, to show that listening, develop that listening skills and give that person what they need. Yes. <laughs> Pick up that Michael S. Sorensen book. And this is, this is an unsolicited pitch, <laughs> but it's a fantastic book. I would even suggest that if you can do it as an audio book, because it's actually putting the practice in effect. You're listening to Michael and the way he steps you through that audio book brings you into that act. So I Hear You by Michael S. Sorensen. I got to say, and I will, I, I love audiobooks. I got to, I want to tell you a little bit story about me. I, I difficulty learning, especially when it comes to reading, sitting there with a book. It just makes me cry. It makes me sleepy. I, I just, I just can't do it. Yeah. So that's a great book when it makes you feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I did is I finally, technology got better and I came across uh, Audible. And uh, I started listening to audiobooks. And in a three-year period, while I was living in Germany, I listened to over 300 books. I had the time. I was working on myself, so I listened to over 300 books. My communication got better. My understanding of other people got better. I was able to learn language. And I'm not saying English. I'm just saying language. Like sometimes you know something, but you don't have the ability to articulate what you're feeling. And even though you know you can help someone or you know you can say the right thing, you don't because you lack the language. And when you read books, people give you the language for you to articulate what you're feeling inside. Yeah, it's kind of like me earlier when I was (laughs) struggling to find my voice. (laughs) Hey, we all struggle sometimes. We all do. The moment you think you're a finished product, that's when you begin to decline. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Fantastic. This is this has been great. You know, we're covering so much ground here. Let's let's dive back to that PTSD again. I want to look at that okay. a little deeper in where you were with dealing with that and you know your overall feeling of it. It's there. You know, people talk about it manifests in different ways to different people. I mean, trauma is trauma. It could be war or it could be something that happened to you, a breakup, uh, a divorce, your, your partner left you, you made a decision, uh, someone attacked you. Some, trauma is trauma. And what happens is you used to believe that the world was one way and your world was shattered. And all of a sudden you're like, now what? What do I do? Who am I? This is uh, one of the reasons why I believe that soldiers get PTSDs. You go there, you go there with a notion, and then your concept of the world, you see evil for the first time. Sometimes you see yourself doing certain things that are questionable because you're full of adrenaline, you have a mission to do. You do something, you see yourself in a different light, and then all of a sudden your whole theory of who you are changes. And then you have the years that come after, you live with anxiety, regret, sadness. What if I would have done something different? What if maybe I shouldn't have gone to the army or maybe, uh, maybe I should have run there faster so I could have saved my friend or my buddy. All of a sudden, intrusive thoughts or intrusive feelings come into you and you get flooded with negative emotion. And it's real and it's not like, okay, I'm feeling this negative emotion, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Sometimes you get overwhelmed with negative emotion and it takes days for it to go away because we're our biology, the way our, our, our chemistry works in our body. It just, uh, we don't understand it very well. We, we don't understand it at all sometimes, but you get flooded with negative emotion and now there's work for you to do. Yeah. Do you feel that negative emotion 
kind of pulled you into yourself where you couldn't express that. Right. Uh, sometimes you don't have the words to, and this is why conversations are important to me. You have to, I'm going to attempt, and this is why you have to figure out what your support system is. Who are the people that I can trust that I can go to and say, what I'm going to say may not make sense, but I need to put it out there. Would you be the one to listen? And there's very few people that you can count in your hand that could do that for you because it takes, it's an investment. It takes, uh, it's uncomfortable too. And then somebody says yes to you. And then you are like, okay, here I am. I am feeling guilty or I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling like uh, I'm worthless. I'm feeling unworthy. And then the immediate reaction for most people is trying to say, you're okay. Don't say that. It's okay. You're better than that. And it's a process that you need to go through. It's like a little hell. It's like a little, uh, you have to go through this darkness, this tunnel. And then there's always light at the end of the tunnel. But it's a process. You don't just say, okay, I'm happy now. And then you're at the destination. No, you still have to go through the process. Yeah, struggle to find that light. Yeah, uh, yeah. But there's always a light. <laughs> And like I shared with you earlier, I believe that uh, the light at the end of the tunnel is you. It's always been you. There is that. You've been there all along. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you have to go to work. You have to go to work and find it. And I know that there's a stigma, especially with men, to go out and ask for help, to, to go to a psychologist, to go talk to someone, to talk to your partner. Yeah. We've got to fix everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes, you know, you, you can't do it yourself. You got to gotta ask for help. Most of the time. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, you see, we, we grew up and uh, most of us grew up listening to the values that are true. Like, it is better to give than to receive. Share. All these things about giving, giving, giving and doing for others. And sometimes it's okay to say what I need from you is yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah. And we don't know how to ask. And that, it's so difficult sometimes because it just seems so simple. Could you just listen to me? Could you just be there for me? Sit with me for a while. I don't want to be alone right now. But you're going to be okay. Some people may say, I know this. But I just need empathy. I just need a little something. Just sit with me. I'm feeling lonely right now. You could, we live in a world where we're so connected and there's so many people. And yet you could be in a room full of people and feel alone. Yeah. And I think that's also part of the, the PTSD because it's like, they will never understand me. They don't know what it's like. You're struggling to find that voice. True. And the truth is, you're partially right. They are not going to understand you, but you still need to be with that. It's part of like a meditation. Like part of meditation is you sit there and whatever comes, just be with it. The more you try to push away, the more it stays. What you resist persists. But if you're like, hey, your brain tells you, hey, you're not worthy. Okay, maybe. And you just stay with that. Until it goes away. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying it's easy. It's taken me years. Yes. Yes. There, there's a, there's a, a quote by Archimedes, the mathematician who says, give me a lever long enough and a place to put it, a fulcrum in which to place it, and I will move the world. I believe that the, the leverage is conversation. And when somebody agrees, I will be able, I choose to be there with you to have that conversation. Even if all I have to do is listen, then you create that fulcrum, that space to place that leverage. You see, like what we're doing right now, we've created this fulcrum right now. And this conversation is going to go with us after we're done. And we're going to be like, oh, he mentioned that. And I said this, that is interesting. Let me go and, and then you go and do more homework. You do more work and you develop your own theories and philosophies 
And I think every human being, especially people who suffer from trauma, you need to develop a philosophy of good and evil. And the more sophisticated it is, the more you're able to function in the world because the world is suffering. There's a lot of things going on all the time that you're right. Hey, there's a lot of bad things going on out there. Correct. There's a lot of things going on out there. How do you find meaning in the midst of all of that? And that's what your philosophies and conversations and your ability to articulate and explain what is going on inside allows you to navigate to the suffering of the world and find meaning in spite of it. Yes. Fighting through to the other side. I think. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your story with me. You know, it's taken you great strength to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned, mentioned earlier, you know, finding that smile. Mm-hmm. Your, your smile fills up a room. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to see that. Yeah. So I, glad to see that's returned to you because that, that's, that's enough to warm up anybody's day. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, and I'm so glad that the people care enough about me to say, you don't smile like you used to. I mean, it takes courage to tell some, that to someone you care about. So again, that conversation created that space. If they wouldn't have said that, then I would have probably been like, I'm okay, I guess this is who I am from now on. Life happens and be cynical about it. But when you hear something a couple of times, it's like, okay, there must be something to it. Don't, if you hear feedback, because you get feedback all the time. If you hear feedback and some of that feedback sounds strangely familiar from different places, Maybe you need to re-examine whatever they're saying. Maybe not all of it is true, but maybe a little bit is. Every little bit counts. And that helps you. <laughs> so, yeah. Bit by bit and reaching to that next step, that next pinnacle. So Always incremental, constant incremental improvements, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you are on your way. Speaking of next pinnacle, you are now branching out into a motivational speaking career, are you not? Yes, yes. And this, this is how I want to start. I want to get into motivational speaking, but more than anything, I want to create a, a space where people can talk to me if they need to. And if they want to, whether it's a phone call or just having coffee and say, I need someone to talk to. I'm not here to give you tips of how to live your life because what worked for me may not work for you. But if I can be that fulcrum, that space for you to articulate what you're feeling and you can walk away and you get to do the work. At the end of the day, a psychologist, a listener, a person who cares about you, they, are not, they don't have the task to do the work. It's always you. Always you. That's why I said you are the light at the end of the tunnel because you are the one who has to do the work. They have, they've done studies of people who get court-mandated counseling to go see a psychologist it hardly ever works because they're not going there with intent i know i need to do something about me yes yes nothing without the proper intention sticks there you go i love that (laughs) i think you have coined an entire new genre moving beyond motivational speaking and now into motivational listening I I don't see anybody doing it. Jump all over that. One hundred percent. I believe that empathic listening. Yeah, it's gonna create that space. Create that space for it. Yeah, it exists. We have to acknowledge it. Because I could tell you, look, I've read three hundred books. I went to college. I studied this. I studied that. So my certificates should tell you how awesome I am. I cannot do the work for you. All I can do is just be, I'm here. And if I'm not here, please let me know. Hey, Jean-Pierre, come back. You're not, full. I've learned that from my wife. Like sometimes I'm, I'm trying to listen, but I'm distracted. And then she's like, honey, where are you? I'm like, okay, here I am, baby. Keep, keep going. I'm sorry I got distracted. I mean, we're not perfect. We, we, we get distracted. But if we can have that honest conversation with someone who says, I want you to listen to me and I'm going to hold you to it because I need this. And you're just like, 
try to be fully present, like a meditation that will help both of us. I'll become a better listener. You will become somebody who's working on whatever you need to work on through articulation of speech. I think that is the highest, the most important thing we can do, learn how to tell our story. And it's not easy because once you think you got it, there's another level. Yes. We're like a book, you know, every day we're evolving. Yes, yes. And uh, it's like when you read a book. Just because you know the story doesn't mean you understand it. You could read a book when you're a child and then read the same book when you're an adult and it has a whole different meaning. Yes. And if we ever have another conversation. That's a a good segue, you know. Yeah. Everybody perceives it differently. You know, we each perceive that story differently based on our experience and and how we engage with it. So that is a whole nother conversation. And I think you may be setting me up with another guest coming up soon. So (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) It's amazing how this process has evolved. And this is exactly why I've set out to do this show. One story leads another person to a, a specific answer or specific lesson they need to hear. And that person leads to another story, to another story, to another story. And it's, it's just following that path, just following that path to your truth. Always. I love it. Yes, it's true. Well, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you so much. I truly have enjoyed this time with you. Your smile warms my heart, my friend. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I wish you the best. I hope you stay healthy through all of this challenge we're going through right now. Thank you. Just keep being you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, let's, let, let's look for the light, right? <laughs> look for the light. It's there all along. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm going to wrap this up. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it's, this has been a, a great conversation, like I said, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I'm going to stay in contact, check in on you. Be safe. Be healthy. Likewise. And I hope we can do this again some other time. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Conversations are everything. With every conversation, we either build or destroy. Such is the power of communication. If you want to gauge the quality of any of your relationships, start by really listening. When we realize the superficial, we build trust. In our vulnerability, we build our deepest connections.